Welcome to the Broncos Blitz Podcast. My name is Ronnie Court. You can follow me on Twitter at Ronnie K Radio. That's at R-O-N-N-I-E letter K Radio on Twitter, where today on the podcast, you know, the NFL draft, it is uh, coming up this week. And for the Broncos Blitz Podcast, I have a full series of podcasts coming out that are going to highlight each individual positions, particular rounds, the players that the Broncos could be interested in, and of course, my predictions of where they will pick whether it be at 15 or, of course, uh, potentially higher, potentially lower. Who knows what they do in the first round? But we'll go over several prospects on offense and defense, particularly today focusing in on the offense. And I'm going to give you some names of each individual position. And while, yes, they may not be looking at this position more or less, I'll tell you the interest level of where I feel the vibe is for the Denver Broncos as, of course, they get closer and closer to the NFL draft. The Broncos Blitz podcast, of course, a podcast with my Mile High Sports, so hopefully you follow along, milehighsports.com, for a lot of great writing on the podcast. And of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Ronnie K Radio. That's at R O N N I E, letter K Radio, on Twitter. All right, so focusing in on the Broncos' uh, picks and what they need on offense, you know, obviously the first thing that jumps out to everybody's mind is the wide receiver position, going all in on, uh, well, every other position except for wide receiver in free agency, and that means there is a major demand for that position. We're going to get into that a little bit in the podcast as well. There's also a big demand at offensive line, and, and unfortunately for Denver, this is an offensive line well, the draft is not full at many positions, and the positions that it is full at, these prospects may be outside of their picking range. So kind of an unfortunate combo, I think, of things happening for Denver here where they may actually have to sit this out for at least the first round. We will see and we will discuss. Uh, but we'll go into each individual position, and of course we'll start at quarterback. Well, I will start by saying that this is a very low position of interest for the Denver Broncos, and I tell you what, for the first time in a long time it feels like we're saying that. Of course, every single year, whether it was, could it be Josh Rosen or Lamar Jackson or uh, Sam Darnold, whatever, there, there are several names that, uh, you know, of course, in the past were floated around. Looks like Denver has found their guy in Drew Locke. Whether you think that is the correct thing or not is your opinion and a different discussion. But the reality is, is that Drew Locke is going to be the day one starter for next year. What Denver does at quarterback is essentially going going to be looking at, look, a later round pick or maybe a dual versatile threat at the quarterback position later in the draft. I can't emphasize that enough. They're not going to pick a quarterback within the first four picks, first six picks even, and the chances of them taking a quarterback in this draft are probably low. Now, I will say there are some interesting names a little bit later in the board. Now, if you look at the board, of course, it shows Joe Burrow is likely the number one pick overall. Cincinnati holding that pick, it is highly likely that the AFC North team takes Joe Burrow. The other names include Tua Tonga Viola, Justin Herbert, Jordan Love, Jake Fromm, Jacob Eason, Jalen Hurts, Anthony Gordon. I mean, there are, there are some names on this list that could end up a being very appealing for Denver, maybe a little bit later in the draft. Maybe a Jake Fromm falls. Uh, uh, it's probably not going to happen. Fromm's going to be somewhere projected in the the third to f- five, oh, sixth round that is where he's expected to be taken. 
And if there's a run on quarterbacks and a team wants to pick up maybe a quarterback to groom for the future, maybe Fromm goes a little bit earlier. I think the name that really might be intriguing to look at is Jalen Hurts. Now, Hurts may also be somebody who just skyrockets up draft boards. And again, all it takes is one team to look at Jalen Hurts and say, man, this dual threat ability, the uh, experience that he got in college, both at Alabama as well as at OU, is something that we could take and potentially mold for the future. These are names if they were to slip way down the line. Uh, Tyler Hunley, Steven Montez maybe. Again, thinking of a dual threat that in some way may Maybe could be utilized somebody who sits on the process, the, the the practice squad. But again, we're not thinking of somebody who's going to be starting at any point in time this season. Denver starter is Drew Locke, and uh, again, the interest for this position I would consider at very low. Let's move to the running back position, where the class overall is again a bit underwhelming. You don't have that one dynamic running back that's going to be taken in the top. Top uh, five, top ten picks. Although DeAndre Swift out of Georgia is shooting up boards, J.K. Dobbins also on this list. Jonathan Taylor was a name that was very high about two months ago. Before uh, the, I guess it's just this this blind narrative of Wisconsin running backs and how they're always running into the ground and they've got a million carries on them. And you know what? For the most part, this is true. Uh, Jonathan Taylor's got a lot of carries on him, but make no mistake, this is a guy with uh, great quickness and power, good cutting ability, great stiff arm, very very good combo and everything you want in a back. Somebody who's probably going to be taken in the late first, mid first, uh, maybe slips to the second round, depending on how things go. And I think the wide receiver position is going to alter a lot of what uh, the, the draft stock looks like for DeAndre Swift. Other names uh, as we get farther down the list, Cam Akers is a name maybe to pay attention to, Zach Moss out of Utah, A.J. Dillon, Boston College. Maybe the name that uh, slips farther down out of Arizona State, Eno Benjamin, a guy who looked 5'9", 207, uh, very much a change of pace back. Some were going to be in that third through fifth round, but again, could potentially fall because there's a lot of running backs in front of him. And again, we'll get to the wide receivers and how they're going to alter the draft as well, too. I, I consider this a very low position of need as well for Denver. I don't think this is a position that they're going to be focusing on at all in the early rounds. You paid Melvin Gordon for a reason. You still have Philip Lindsay on the roster. And oh, by the way, Royce Freeman. They're actually probably going to be maybe looking at the idea of moving Royce Freeman in this draft for a potential pick as a player that just didn't pan out in the Broncos offense. I think Royce Freeman's going to be a solid running back if given the opportunity as a guy who's nearing, you know, four, four and a half yards per carry, but just didn't have the opportunities. And look, with Philip Lindsay and now Melvin Gordon sharing the backfield for at least, God, you got to think the next two years, I, I just don't think there's a space for Royce Freeman to thrive in this, in this uh, offense. And certainly, as I've said last year, uh, De- Devontae Booker just doesn't have a space on this roster for the Denver Broncos at running back. And that puts us next to the wide receiver position. And this is, of course, the biggest discussed position for the Denver Broncos. The wide receiver position is a doozy this 
year. The class is very deep. It is very talented. Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb, Henry Ruggs, arguably the top three, leading us next to Justin Jefferson, Brandon Ayuk, T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, Jalen Rager, LaVisca Chenault, Denzel Mims, K.J. Hamlin. I mean, we could go on and on and on about dynamite wide receivers in this draft. I mean, we could be talking about Donovan Peoples-Jones at KJ Hill as higher, you know, top five prospects in their draft. But because of this NFL draft being so deep at the wide receiver position where there's just so much talent, it's it's just such a different game changer. And so there's going to be a lot of talent that Denver's going to be looking at. They could be potentially trading up, of course, the rumors flying everywhere from them trading up to 8 to 10. Uh, you look at how the NFL draft order is laid out in the first round and where interest is. It does get a little interesting for Denver as far as where they could trade up to uh, Arizona doesn't look like a wide receiver is in their future of course they make the trade for DeAndre Hopkins but you just never know you know maybe uh, they want to put a another option next to new Hopkins and kind of kind of make offense the identity in Arizona with of course another year of Kyler Murray and look, you also have to look at the options at nine with Jacksonville and maybe not so much Jacksonville making the selection, but Jacksonville trading out of that spot. This is a team that's got a lot of rebuilding to do and a lot of draft picks. And so they could dictate the future big time and maybe look a team that is higher in the draft, maybe trades out till nine. You know, I mean, maybe it's a New York Giants who surprises us and goes from four to nine. Jackson goes. Ville goes from nine to four to take a quarterback. Who knows? And then maybe the Giants say, you know what? We like uh, what we have in Daniel Jones. Let's put another option next to him uh, to to go with a Saquon Barkley. And let's take a wide receiver. I mean, there are so many things that could happen. And of course, Denver potentially trading up to ten with Cleveland would be a big deal. And and Denver, I think, if you want a guy like Henry Ruggs or Jerry Judy, I think it's going to take a trade up because this is a NFL draft where you're going to see a run on wide receiver, and it's very unfortunate the list of teams named in front of Denver at 15 uh, with the New York Jets, Las Vegas Raiders, San Francisco 49ers 11, 12, 13 along with some potential trade spots at 8, 9, and 10 all of a sudden you're looking at this and you're saying boy we, we like two, three wide receivers, and yet we've got to dodge five bullets. And it just doesn't seem logical and realistic, considering how talented Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs are. You could throw CeeDee Lamb in there. Again, I, I'm not trying to discredit any of the wide receivers because they're extremely talented. This is a very unique year for the wide receiver position, and it's going to be an interesting one to see how aggressive Denver does get with their draft picks because if you are Denver and you want your guy, you will have to trade up as Henry Ruggs is not going to be available at 15. It would take a miracle for him to be there. So you start to think about the options of trading up and who you would want to trade up for. I will say this, and I have said this for months, my number one wide receiver, and it is not close, is Jerry Judy. I have loved Jerry Judy since coming out of college and, and really just in college in general. I think the most complete wide receiver, I don't need, and I have a fundamental thought process on this. 
I don't need my wide receiver to have blazing speed or to uh, have a different skill set than what my other wide receiver is. You know, Jerry Judy, uh, more of a complete wide receiver, while Henry Ruggs, kind of that burner. You know, C.D. Lamb, the the get the ball in his hand and and you know, shifty, make people miss, has a different talent than what Cortland Sutton has. I don't care for that. I want my great wide receiver next to another great wide receiver. It's really important for me that Denver just hits on quality of talent because if they don't, uh, you know, it doesn't... Speed is one thing, but John Ross was selected in the first round because he was blazing fast, and I'm not even sure if he's in the NFL anymore a couple years later. So it is really important if you're Denver to, you know, Again, and this is kind of stating the obvious, picking the right guy, but not falling in love with the the speed or, dare I say, the juice or the the athletic ability, and making sure that you're taking the the quality approach with the idea of look, we need a guy with a high IQ, somebody who's a great route runner, more of a complete wide receiver, and that's exactly what you're getting in Jerry Judy. This is a guy who look. Uh, may be arguably the greatest route runner coming out of college. Many scouts have said that. 6'1", 193, a guy who can get up there and also run as well, too. 4'4", 40 time. This is a guy who uh, very much in the thick of things when it comes to one of the faster wide receivers in um, in the draft. A oppressive evaluation. Uh, many individuals... Uh, who scouted Judy in college, uh, tout him as a dynamic wide receiver, big plays, a good blocker in the run game, a fantastic route runner. I mean, there, there's just, it's just everything you've ever wanted in a player. And, of course, look, the Crimson Tide have been known to uh, pump out some great wide receivers lately. Calvin Ridley, Amari Cooper, Julio Jones in the past. Uh, and I think uh, Jerry Judy is just one of, been on my radar for a couple of years now, just one of the next ones in line. Now, let's not discredit Henry Ruggs either. This is a guy with dynamic speed, 4-2 speed, take the top off the defense, explosive at 5'11", 188, and a guy who will not be available at 15 if Denver sits and twiddle their thumbs. So you start to think about, okay, who's your guy? Is it CeeDee Lamb out of Oklahoma? And there are some names who are very interesting a little bit later in this draft. Justin Jefferson I really like out of LSU, and I know Jefferson maybe doesn't get the love because there is the Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs of the world, but pay attention to Justin Jefferson at LSU. It's a kid I think that can make all the plays, and again, more of a complete wide receiver who can really do some damage in the right offense. Brandon Ict, Higgins, uh, Pittman, uh, Rager, LaVisca Chenault, these are all guys who are expected to be within the first 50 picks. Denzel Mims you could probably throw in there at a Baylor as well, too. And then a little bit later in that draft, some of these names that we've been talking about, look, there are so many great names, but obviously the focus for Denzel is going to be that upper half of the draft. And I think if you're Denver, at least in my order, I am ordering them Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, CeeDee Lamb, Justin Jefferson. That is my top four. That has been my top four for quite a while. 
as uh, if you are Denver, I think you just want the dynamic best wide receiver possible. And I, I do believe that is Jerry Judy, who does a little bit of everything, doesn't have to rely just on the speed. But of course, in the NFL, we have seen that speed kills. And with as as good as Tyree Kill has become on the field, I think a lot of NFL teams are trying to replicate that. And Henry Ruggs does have a lot of that same kind of style that potentially, hey, we get this guy on a screen on a screenplay and he just runs away from everybody else. I mean, that's how good he could be. So the wide receiver position going to be an interesting one and a very polarizing one for the Denver Broncos whether they stay at 15, trade up or trade down. Certainly there's going to be a lot of names involved when it comes to uh, the Denver Broncos and the wide receiver position. I would consider this a position that is very high on need. Tight end, we're going to go to the complete opposite spectrum. Not so much. Very low on the interest. Obviously, look, I think Denver is very happy with what they found in Noah Fant, a guy who can stretch the defense, is is going through the motions of learning how to play wide receiver and offensive line as uh, the rookie seasons for tight ends obviously can be very rough. Uh, you don't see a lot of them break out because they're learning two positions in one year. Uh, it's, a, it's a very high learning curve, and yet Noah Fant had a pretty decent year at the tight end position 40 catches 562 yards and three touchdowns had some breakout plays Uh, somebody who can be uh, very much an eye of um, you know when when defensive coordinators start game planning for offenses you know you start to take a look at the dynamic weapons and I think if you're a defensive coordinator, all of a sudden you st- you got to keep an eye on Noah Fant. You got to make sure that this guy doesn't start to run wild because again, you put the football in his hands in stride, and then all of a sudden, this kid at uh, you know six four two fifty really becomes a freight train that is very difficult to stop. So uh, Noah Fant, I think they're definitely happy with. Obviously, they're going to have some depth, whether it be Nick Vanette, whether it be uh, uh, Troy Fumagalli, Jake Butt still on the roster. I mean, they got a million million tight ends, Buck Howard's in there, Uh, but I I think when you look at it, look, 99% of the receiving statistics are probably going to go to Noah Fant in in an ideal world for Denver. In a situation where, you know, you're looking for depth options, I I suppose a Troy Fumagalli, um, you know, uh, uh, Jake Butt option as depth is not the worst thing in the world if you're Denver. Um, you know, Broncos tight ends in the past have been uh, generally um, injured, which is unfortunate. So you may start to think about the idea of bringing on a extra tight end. Um, you know, of course, they do have also in the past, um, you know, have had uh, Jeff Hireman, who, again, dealing with the injury as well, too. Not exactly the breakout offensive threat that you've been looking for but certainly look the tight end position long story short is short up they will not be looking at tight end I suppose if there's a name to look out for at the tight end position maybe Jacob Breeland uh, Oregon 6'5 250 ran a 476 40 yard dash uh, a kid who 26 catches 400 plus yards and Six TDs at Oregon, of course, had the benefit of uh, uh, Justin uh, Herbert throwing his way. But again, I I think this is a 
a, uh, an offensive position that you're just not looking at. Uh, we're also going to skip the fullback position. This is, again, uh, the white flag was waved on the fullback position for Denver when they traded away Andy Janovich to Cleveland for a seventh-round pick. Janovich was arguably one of the better fullbacks in the league, one of the very few fullbacks in the league, but because of the trade and the way that the Denver's offense is going to be shaped under Pat Shermer, I just don't see the use of a fullback anymore. That's why they dealt Janovich, and that's why they will ignore the fullback position in the NFL draft. Let's move to the offensive line, where in the interior it's quite weak. On the outside, it's quite strong. Let's start in the interior, where at center, uh, look, this is still a major question mark for Denver. What are they going to do with the assignments, how they mold things on the offensive line? Now, obviously, the signing of Graham Glasgow gives you a lot of flexibility, but the loss of Connor McGovern, yeah, it stings. It's a big deal. Connor McGovern got quite a bit of money to leave. Good for him, but certainly if you are Denver now, you got to look at filling that hole, and maybe it's with somebody already on the roster. Maybe it's with a draft pick. The Broncos could be looking at a couple names at center a little bit later in the draft. I think we're probably looking more towards the second, third round. Lloyd Cushenberry of LSU, 6'3", 312". Uh, you know, Keith Ismall, uh, San Diego State, uh, Matt Hennessy is probably the name to, to really focus in on. Somebody who could be somewhere in the 120 to 140 range, maybe overall pick-wise, uh, 6'4", 307 out of Temple. Uh, but, but again, you know, the center position, depending on how you fundamentally want to shape things, this may also not be a selection of major need uh, because maybe you look at taking a guard and sliding a guy over you know there's a lot of flexibility that Denver has with this uh, uh you know the this interior so and and that's what the signing of Graham Glasgow gives you which is which is obviously very very positive now at the guard position Robert Hunt out of Louisiana uh Damian Lewis at LSU Jonah Jackson Ohio State the top three very much on the board as far as best available names go down to a couple Clemson offensive linemen uh Shane Lemieux at a Oregon, you know, again, it, it, these two kind of go hand in hand when it comes to Broncos needs because they have so much flexibility on the offensive line. Do they want to select a center and then keep Glasgow at guard? Do they want to move guard, uh, Glasgow to center? Do they want to move Dalton Reisner around? Could it just be a guy on the roster who takes that spot? A lot to be decided yet for Denver. So a lot of unknown. Make put make that a major question mark on the uh, guard and center interior offensive line. For offensive tackle, this is probably the biggest unfortunate position I think if if I was to call it for Denver because it is a position of need, but it's also a position of pause any position of unknowns. And the reason why I say that is because, obviously, their current offensive tackles, Garrett Bowles, very much a disappointment under Drew Locke. Final five games of the season, I guess, looked better. I think that's more of an attribution to Drew Locke's skill and not the improvement of Garrett Bowles. Juwan James, on the other side, has been a complete disappointment, obviously dealing with the injury, not staying healthy, There are other things that have been discussed. We won't talk about that today on the podcast, but more so the idea that Juwan James just hasn't been available, and you are only as good as your availability in the NFL, and so thus, Juwan James has been a major disappointment. Now, the offensive tackle position is an interesting one because there are three 
uh, three or four very good ones. Jedrick Wills out of Alabama, the 6'4", 312 offensive lineman, is a beast. Andrew Thomas out of Georgia as well, too, blocking the blind side for Jacob Fromm for many, many years out of Georgia. Tristan Wirfs, of course, the uh, the the road grader out of Iowa, 6'5", 320, is a monster at the offensive tackle position. Many believe Tristan Wirfs is the best prospect at this position. And then, of course, Makai Becton is kind of this Sleeper, um, underrated option, 6'7", 364, massive mountain of a man out of Louisville. So there are many, many great prospects in the top half. And this is why I call this such a difficult position for Denver to evaluate in this draft slash rest of the offseason because you kind of have these options available on the roster, but you kind of don't. One of them's dealing with health issues. One of them looked better towards the end of the season. So you're not sure if you want to continue on. You want to dip your first asset into another position, of course, the wide receiver position. But you also do need to look at this offensive line and say, hey, does this position need to be shored up a little bit later in the draft? Do we trade back up into the draft and maybe uh, potentially look at uh, maybe later in the first round? Maybe one of these guys slips. You know, a guy I liked for a long, long time was Austin Jackson out of uh, uh, USC, Southern California, 6'5", 322, who, you know, look, a lot of people had Austin Jackson as a top 10 pick many, many months ago. And now all of a sudden that has changed for whatever the reason, hype, uh, lack of momentum. I mean, this NFL draft is such a weird, weird deal overall. But there is some talent in this offensive uh, tackle position, and where it's going to land is going to be the major question. Now, a lot of people, a lot of mock drafts, have Tristan Wirfs landing as the first offensive tackle selected in the draft and having him land at number four with the New York Giants. Now, there are other beliefs that uh, think that Jedrick Wills Jr. is the best offensive tackle in this draft and should be the first one off the board. I, I think it's fair to say that if you are Denver, at least two of these guys of the major four are going to be off the board. And and I would characterize one of them uh, being Tristan Wirfs as a bona fide off the board, not going to be available, not going to be available to you. Now, in the event where things change and maybe Tristan Wirfs drops to an eight or a nine, does that trigger trade up for the offensive tackle? That also means that you're not getting the wide receiver of choice if you are the Denver Broncos, which I don't think is what's going to happen. It may or may not be the correct move, but I don't think that's what's going to happen. I think Denver needs to solidify the wide receiver position in this first round and give Drew Locke another weapon. Uh, This is the most critical thing for the Denver Broncos. I think if you're a Denver Broncos fan, if you see the Denver Broncos walk out of the first round with either Jerry Judy or Henry Ruggs, maybe even C.D. Lamb, Whatever happens, I think you're considering that a win. Even if they have to give up some assets to go up and get them, I think you consider that a major win if you're Denver because you locked in and solidified a franchise offensive weapon for Drew Locke moving forward, and you did your job to try to give Drew Locke the opportunity to thrive and be better 
in 2020. If you go with the offensive linemen, it's not to say it's the incorrect move, but you have to hit. It is so critical that you don't screw this up again because you're still dealing with the aftermath of the missed off the missed draft pick in Garrett Bowles, the constant misses at left tackle in free agency and right tackle, I should say, too, from Russell Okung to Donald Stevenson to uh, now looking like Jawan James. I mean, the, the names go on and on and on, and you have two uncertainties, and you cannot bring in a third. If you're bringing in this offensive tackle, he needs to be the absolute day one starter that you know is going to be the next tackle for at least the next five years. You cannot go through this situation again where you're trying to reset the reset and then bring in a faulty reset button. Um, At some point, you need to just bite the bullet and say, look, we need to ride out what we have and then reset at a later time because we got a massive contract set up with uh, Juwan James. We got Garrett Bowles, who we're not sure you know can be the left tackle, but is an option to at least get us to next year to where we can take an explosive wide receiver this year, lean on Drew Locke to kind of mask the deficiencies of the offensive line, and then all of a sudden say, okay, let's hit the reset button on left tackle next year. Because the problem is you don't give him that wide receiver option. I mean, you're looking at Deshaun Hamilton getting serious reps at the wide receiver position next year. And I don't think that's anything Denver wants to be doing. Uh, Denver needs to put an offensive weapon next to Cortland Sutton and make that a dynamic room and a major plus for them uh, moving forward because offense wins in this league right now. And Denver right now is lacking a major offensive weapon post-Emmanuel Sanders era. And while Drew Locke can certainly spin the football, it makes it better when he can spin the football, get it into the hands of either a Judy, a Ruggs, or a Lamb, and then all of a sudden that player takes it for six. So certainly going to be interesting with how it is laid out. Denver at 15 I think is not going to stay there in general if offense is the opportunity. I do think there are multiple players on defense that they are, are potentially looking to trade up for. We will get into that tomorrow. But on offense, I, I think the guys, when you when it talks about, let's just take out the idea of what they're not, not considering the assets that they're giving up. Just the thought that they're giving up assets. Okay, Not considering what the actual trade is. Trading up for Tristan Wirfs, Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, and maybe even C.D. Lamb. I think is worth it in this draft. Uh, the the others on defense are uh, certainly some good ones as well too, but it is really critical Denver fills that wide receiver need and fills it early. And quite frankly, they may take two wide receivers within the first hundred picks. I mean, that's how badly they need offensive weapons, and I think that's where Denver's going to be leaning for their first pick, whether it's a trade-up to eight, trade-up to ten, go get Henry Ruggs, go get Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb, whichever one you feel is that dynamite wide receiver for the next couple years and on is uh, the guy you go after. So certainly a lot to like of Denver's position because they do have that ability to trade up, but I think it's for a certain position, maybe even a 
certain player. Of course, Henry Ruggs, the one that's been discussed for months and months and months, but it could be another wide receiver as well, too, if the idea of Henry Ruggs gets swept out from underneath them. Jerry Judy, certainly a nice consolation prize. And certainly, I think if you're Denver, look, um, sitting at nine, I don't think Jacksonville wants to make a pick on a wide receiver considering that you still have fundamental foundation pieces that still need to be picked up. Wide receiver, I don't think, is that, unless you feel Gardner Minshew is the absolute franchise quarterback, which I don't think they think that. I think they're going to want to bring in talent to challenge him, if not maybe a quarterback at the number 9 spot. Now, of course, trading out is certainly an interesting proposition as well, too. That's what's going to make this NFL draft very, very interesting. So, of course, this Broncos Blitz podcast is going to be daily this week as we discuss the NFL draft leading up to Thursday and our and our NFL draft party. We'll be doing a lot of stuff on Mile High Sports and, of course, Mile High Sports Radio, FM 104.7 locally here in Denver, and, of course, Mile High Sports Dot com. You can follow me on Twitter at Ronnie K Radio. That's at R O N N I E, the letter K Radio on Twitter. The NFL draft, an exciting one. Your offensive recap today, your defensive recap tomorrow. I'll also get into special teams as well as can't miss pro- uh, prospects. And then, of course, on Thursday, we will talk NFL draft leading up to the draft on MileHighSports.com with extended versions of the radio show. And maybe more importantly, talking about it live and reacting live. As the picks come in, who does Denver take? Who does Denver still have at their disposal to select? We will discuss that all coming up in the future on Mile High Sports and MileHighSports.com. Appreciate you tuning in on the many well, places where you can listen to this podcast, whether it be Spreaker, Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, and of course, MileHighSports.com. Be sure to follow on Twitter at Ronnie K Radio. All done for the Broncos Blitz Podcast, a Mile High Sports Podcast. You can find more info at MileHighSports.com. That's MileHighSports.com. Later, y'all.